It's August 30th, 1963, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It starts with a caption, a glass and a half full production. What product could this be for? asks the brand illiterate portion of the audience. You and I have already guessed it's for Cadbury's. Then there's a close-up of a gorilla on a purple background. He looks around as if waiting for something to happen. In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins builds on the soundtrack. Then, as it swells, we pan back to reveal the gorilla is, improbably, sitting at a drum kit. In a moment of pure release, when the drum fill kicks in, he plays along manically. This was the Dairy Milk advert Gorilla, which turned around Cadbury's fortunes when it premiered on this day in 2007. And unsurprisingly, given the description you've just offered us, it was an idea that came to its director, this Argentinian chap called Juan Cabral, fully formed apparently. He was on the set of filming another advert and he was chatting with a bunch of members of the crew and the discussion between them turned to the greatest drum solos of all time and he had the idea of a gorilla playing uh, Phil Collins's In the Air Tonight because he said that was his favourite drum solo and he said to his friends, he's animalistic he's like a gorilla drumming and he was like, actually hang on, wait, this is a really good idea for some sort of a film. This is what I love, the idea that he was going around with the idea of the gorilla playing the intro to In the Air Tonight before Cabri's even approached him. Well, he had this yeah. idea that he was just going to attach to whatever the next project was that came along, essentially. Well, that's advertising for you, isn't it? He worked for an ad agency called Fallon, based in London. They were going through a bit of a purple patch in this period, forgive the Cadbury's pun, um, because they also did that ad for Sony Bravia with the bouncing balls, remember that? The multicolored oh, yeah, bouncing balls. Oh yeah, that was great. And so Cadbury's director of marketing, Phil Rumble, went to them with a brief that makes me feel you don't need to be intelligent to work in advertising. It's just about being in the right place at the right time. The brief was, <laughs> eating Cadbury's chocolate makes you feel good. <laughs> I saw that as well. I was like, that's so very far from a gorilla playing a drum solo. <laughs> that really, it could only ever have been reverse engineered. Well, although it, it might sound obvious that Cadbury's want to convey the idea that eating Cadbury's might make you happy, there is a good reason that at the time a lot of people weren't associating Cadbury's with happiness. And contrary to Fallon's purple patch, Cadbury's have been going through a pretty rough patch at this point. Probably the nadir was a salmonella outbreak at Cadbury's factory, which affected 40 people. They had to do a massive product recall, obviously. And they got fined a million pounds for failure to inform the Food Standards Agency. So that was pretty bad. And it was a bit of a blow to sales as well, costing about 20 million in sales. And they had just had a big ad campaign for Trident chewing gum dropped after complaints that it was offensive. Don't you, do you, I don't know if you remember this one. It was basically black and white people sort of miming to this really OTT Caribbean accent. And the Advertising Standards Authority upheld complaints that it was indeed offensive and that had to be cancelled. They had this other amazing thing that they were also trying to bounce back from, which was that they'd run this PR stunt where they'd hidden a coin that was worth $10,000 in uh, a secret location in Boston. And then they'd encouraged people through this sort of billboard campaign to get involved in the search for this hidden coin. And the person who found it would win not only that coin, but a million dollars. But the place that they'd buried it was a cemetery. <laughs> and the, and encouraged, or, That's what I mean. Not yeah. difficult to work in marketing. Put it almost so, anywhere else. 
would be better. We buried it in your dead grandma's purse. <laughs> yeah. So all of these would-be treasure hunters showed up at the Granary Burying Ground near Boston, all ready to get their, you know, sh- shovels out and start um, digging in the dirt. And the cemetery actually had to close its doors so that these people didn't come in. So that, And, you know, there was obviously a big uh, apology and all of that. So there were a few things that Cadbury was coming back from. And even on a more pedestrian level, the brand was in need of a bit of reinvigoration, certainly in the British public imagination. At the time, it was most closely associated with the Milk Tray sponsorship of Coronation Street, which had been going on for 20 years and obviously wasn't portraying Cadbury as the young, fresh brand of the hip consumer. Right. But this was far from a no-brainer within Cadbury's. Rumble has said in interviews subsequently this was the hardest sell he's ever had to do internally because, you know, everyone recognised the problem. They needed a new marketing campaign. They needed a a refresh. But the solution was not thought to be a 90-second advert, (laughs) which is three times the length of a normal TV spot, in which there's no dialogue and no product shot. Uh, You can see why that would be difficult to convince executives of. (laughs) But he did at least get the project off the ground, I presume in a kind of, well, let's shoot it and see how it turns out. And if it's not good enough, then we'll axe it. So it did go ahead. But the first hurdle that the production faced was trying to find the right gorilla. Who'd have thought it'd be difficult to find a drumming gorilla? I mean, that seems like a straightforward casting call. And also, just these days, it would be it would obviously be a CGI gorilla. But back in 2007, it was much less obvious that you'd do that because CGI was still very much in its infancy. And so instead, they needed to find, you know, an animatronic gorilla and one that would lend the sort of documentary feel that the director had in mind. Part of the reason it's funny, I suppose, as we all know, is that it's a close-up of a gorilla's face and you think, with the soundtrack that's building in the background, that you're going to be watching something that is a sort of gorillas in the mist type documentary but as it pans back then it's revealed that you know there's this absolutely madcap cartoonish thing going on and so they really needed this uh, very high quality gorilla costume yeah and they found one it was from the 1995 film Congo but they had to customise it with extras Uh, as you can imagine the Congo gorilla did not have an earpiece a gold tooth and specially made hands for drumming as the suit for the advert (laughs) ended up with they got a guy called Garen Michael to play the role of the he had already played apes in several movies, including the 2001 Planet of the Apes remake. What I love is that he was a musician, but he wasn't a drummer. So he had to learn to play the riff in a hot and eyeless gorilla costume. Where I'm like, hats off to the makers of the ad for the respect they showed to Garen Michael. They were like, we don't want a drummer who we're going to put in a gorilla costume. We Mm. want someone who knows how to wear a gorilla costume. And then they can just learn one of the most famous riffs of all time. (laughs) Well, don't knock it. The approach worked. Although apparently at the time, you can imagine it must have been super sweaty recording this thing. You had people shouting instructions at you to try and coordinate you know, eyebrow lifts and the correct facial tics for the gorilla to express at different emotional points in the advert. So, like, you had him sitting there in a really sweaty gorilla costume trying to play one of the hardest drum solos of all time whilst people are shouting, Skeptical lift! in the background. (laughs) It must have just been very traumatic, I think. (laughs) And actually watching it back again and knowing that the guy isn't a drummer, it's quite obvious that he's not a drummer. He's not really doing... Like, he's not... He's sort of hitting the drums vaguely in time, but it's he's a better gorilla than he is a drummer, quite obviously. (laughs) And yet... Uh, Behind the scenes, obviously, momentum did build for this campaign and they placed it on this day during the live final of Big Brother, 
which in those days was like, you know, being in the World Cup final. Yeah, it's like the Super Bowl. Big yeah. event advertising. Yeah, the nation was gripped. Was Brian Bello going to win or Ziggy? Edge of the seat stuff. Um, and in the 10th commercial break or whatever it was, after hours of this, <laughs> the nation was enraptured, or at least 4 million people were enraptured by this advert instantly. Like instantly the moment this hit. YouTube very much a burgeoning medium in 2007, but it was getting half a million hits in the first week alone. Yeah, for context, the most viewed YouTube clip of that year got 21.7 million views and it was a National Geographic clip of lions and crocodiles attacking buffalo. No animals playing musical, just animals being themselves. Just humming along to two hearts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also it was a huge commercial uh, success that prompted a sales bump of 10%, which is a thing that actually Rumble, uh, in his interview with The Guardian, was keen to stress. And yeah, he said, everyone celebrated it creatively, but what gets talked about less is how effective it was from a business point of view. Having persuaded the people at Cadbury's to do the ad, the return on investment was three times the normal level. So, yeah, it really did convince people that actually, even if Cadbury's was poisonous and racist... <laughs> In the views of some. <laughs> if. <laughs> the if is doing so much heavy yeah. lifting there. <laughs> yeah. but perhaps even more pertinently for future historians of ad campaigns, according to Marketing Week, more than a decade after the ad was released, 76% of people polled remembered that it was a campaign for Cadbury's, despite the fact it did mm. not feature any chocolate at all. That did yeah. feature, obviously, Cadbury's iconic purple. But the problem with that <laughs> is that it was so successful that Cadbury's then sort of got trapped in a joy loop because they realised yeah. that the the brand value of this was was joy and also kind of unexpected spontaneity, right? So they kept trying to recreate this. But in 2012, Cadbury officially adopted joy as its official positioning. Again, yeah. advertising, what an industry. Right? Uh, just six years later, they cancelled Joy. Did you know Cadbury's cancelled Joy officially? In Joy's out. I, did realize, I did notice that Joy had disappeared, but I had yeah. no idea that yeah. Cadbury's was to blame. The timing anyway. checks out. <laughs> anyway, um, their first campaign to try and imitate the success was Trucks in 2008, which had vehicles oh, racing yeah, to Queens, Don't yeah. Stop Me Now, and then Eyebrows yeah. in 2009. Which was, was kids. Oh. It was kind of like an awkward family photo still, but with kids' eyebrows dancing. Um, yeah. But they neither, of course, neither could be as, as successful as the lightning in a bottle only happens once magic that they created mm -hmm. with Gorilla. But inevitably, as a, in a, in a results-driven industry, they had to abandon joy. But uh, they decided ultimately to pivot to generosity. That's their current oh. brand value. Glass and a half. We're generous at dairy milk. We, we give. It's something you give to someone else. <laughs> Extra half a glass. <laughs> That's in free, guys. <laughs> Tomorrow. The reviewer was most disappointed to find it only lasted 70 hours on a single charge. <laughs> Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.